welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. All right, for those of us upstairs in Big Church, open up our, your Bibles to the New Testament book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. You know, speaking of children, we set, um, we set a world record, and you know, I teach two-year-old Sunday school. I set a record today. We had 12 people in my Sunday school class. Now, four of those were Steve Pratt's children and grandkids and that. But still, Steve, even though you had one-fourth of the class, it was, uh, we had a packed class in Sunday school. Speaking of Sunday school, we, next Sunday, in this Sunday after this, December 24th and December 31st, we have a single 10 a.m. worship service. So there's no Sunday school. If you show up next Sunday at 11.15, you'll be watching us hold candles as we're singing Silent Night about that time, about to blow them out and go home for Christmas Eve. So you'll want to come to church next Sunday at 10 a.m. Sunday school will resume on uh, first Sunday in January, which is January 7th. And then on, on the 31st, Zach Bauer here. Zach, will you raise your hand? He's going to be preaching. I'll be in Alabama. He'll be preaching on that Sunday, which is New Year's Eve at 10 a.m. during our 10 a.m. service. So that's our schedule for the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, if you were to uh, read your Bible, you see the story here of these wise men. And the wise men are a key part of the Christmas story. And the wise men... It is uh, believed, they, it says they came from the east. So the east, during the Bible, if you go over to the east, that means you're looking at an area during Bible times, 2,000 years ago, called Persia. That would be Iraq and Iran today. There's a massive desert between Iraq and Iran, the Saudi Arabian desert, and then go through Jordan to go all the way over to Israel. So these wise men would have likely either traveled through that desert on riding their camels, or they would have gone up the Euphrates River, the very similar route that Abraham made, and came down uh, traveling and following along the river so it's easy to travel. But anyway, whichever way they went, it took several months to get from the Babylonian area where they would have been at, the east, all the way over to Israel. And so you're looking, riding a camel, riding your donkey, that's a three, four, five, six-month journey. It took a long time for that trip. So if you're a wise man and you're carrying your gold frankincense and myrrh and you're going to see, following the Christmas star, going to find the Messiah who's born King of the Jews, you were likely going to uh, be at some point in your travels at that part of the world, it's going to be extremely hot because you're in the desert. It, that's where that area is. It's blazing hot right there at the time of the year. So that was, a, that was a journey that was truly the extremes. For these wise men to go to Israel was an extreme. Well, a lot of us, you know, we follow Jesus and sometimes it does require us finding ourselves on the extremes. It's not always going to be easy. So as I was researching this this week about how hot it was, I came across uh, an area in the United States that's also extremely hot. And it's called Death Valley. 
And I want to show you, I have a picture up here. There is a golf course on Death Valley. I've got a picture. That golf course right there, that golf course is called Furnace Creek Golf Club. I've got another picture after that one. So there it is again. Now, that is the hottest place in the United States right there. Now, it, it looks actually really nice and green, and that's probably that picture had to be taken in December or January because it probably might not look like that in, um, in July. That golf course, it is so hot to play there that they have to close the course on June 3rd. They can't open it because the people were suffering heat strokes. I mean, they just could not, they, you could, people were dying playing golf because it's 120 plus degrees every single day in July on that golf course. So it closes June 3rd and it reopens in September. So, so if you're going to play at that golf course, you have to go only at certain times of the year. And even then you want to start as early as possible because it is going to get extremely hot. It's dangerous because if you start too late and it gets too hot, you won't finish the course. It's just, uh, they have a bailout plan so you can break away realizing, hey, I can't take this. It's way too hot and humid and uh, blazing hot here on this golf course. I imagine the wise men, when they made that type of travel from Persia, the east, all the way to Israel, they were enduring a very similar type of extreme weather. Thinking, you know, this is going to be a long, hot, grueling, thousand-mile journey to follow the Christmas star. And we're going to read this Christmas story here about the wise men. It's going to be in Matthew 2, verse 1, and it's going to reveal to us how God used every single circumstance to fulfill Old Testament Scripture and to even uh, move Jesus into another continent. The nation of e- uh, Egypt is actually on the continent of Africa. Jesus had to go there to get outside of King Herod's jurisdiction so his life would be spared. But all of this fulfilled Scripture. Now, the wise men, you say, Pastor, how did the wise men, these are pagan people in Persia, how on earth did they know to look for a Christmas star and to look for a Messiah that's going to be born? And the answer is actually found roughly 600 years beforehand with the book of Daniel. What happened? Israel's history, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, it's one of many ways of sadness. God has chosen and raised up this nation and established wonderful kings such as David. And then they, the kingdom divided and they had good kings and bad kings. And God told them, if you were continually disobedient, I'm going to discipline you. And he did. And one of the ways they experienced their discipline is in 570 B.C. This is before Jesus was born. There was a land over in Persia called Babylon. And there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar sent an army over to Israel and conquered them, destroyed Jerusalem, burned everything down, and took captives, took people that he basically used as slaves, and hauled them back over to Babylon because they didn't want to do the work. And they could just utilize these people as workers. Well, 
in that group of people, we find the books of Daniel, um, the books of like Zechariah, uh, Ezekiel, uh, Esther, uh, Nehemiah, uh, Ezra. Those were books when Israel was in exile, when they were captured in the land of Babylon. That's when those books were written. Israel, the people of God, were in this foreign country for 70 years. And Daniel, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his friends, they were in that foreign land too. Well, the Bible says that Daniel was extremely wise. He just, God just gifted him. He had a lot of good knowledge. And what was really odd about Daniel is he served a lot of different kings. Because Nebuchadnezzar got captured his land and it got taken over a new king called King Darius came about and Daniel just served him. Daniel's one of these guys, whoever the king was, Republican, Democrat, I'm just here to serve. I'm just a wise man. You just tell me what you need and I do it as long as I stay alive. And that was his life. But Daniel, when he found himself, this is roughly 570 years before Jesus was born, before the wise men came. He was in this foreign country. And what was occurring at this place was he was, uh, the, Nebuchadnezzar realized these men here, Daniel and his friends, they're really smart. These are really intelligent guys. So they began studying along with the uh, wise men of Babylon, of Nebuchadnezzar's time. So Daniel would have had the access of teaching what he knew. Remember Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 tells us that there's going to be a Messiah. He's going to be born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. And the Jewish people were awaiting the coming Messiah. Well, as the book of Isaiah was written before Daniel went into exile. So Daniel would have had that knowledge. He would have known that there's going to come a Messiah. David wrote about Jesus. Daniel would have been aware of that. He took that knowledge into Babylon to go teach their wise men. That's what the first few verses of Daniel chapter 1 teaches us. Him going into exile. And him being with the other wise men and learning among them. So, I believe what happened was the wise men during Jesus' time. You say, where did they learn? How did they know to look for a Christmas star? Well, they had been taught that centuries before. From the Jewish exiles who said the Jews are looking for the Messiah who's going to come. And it's in our writings here that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to be coming to the land of Israel. He's going to be a spiritual leader that people are going to miss and they're not going to recognize. So then all of a sudden, when the wise men at Jesus' time are in this foreign land, as the Bible says, they're in the east. And they see the Christmas star. They think, these wise men were astrologers. They read the stars. And when they saw a star they did not recognize, it just appeared. It's the, where did the star come from? They knew what Daniel had, been, had taught them and that had, teaching had been passed down centuries before. The Jews were awaiting a Messiah. There is a star over Jerusalem. That's the Messiah. It just appeared. It's very bright. So they packed up their camels and their gold frankincense and myrrh and they set out in extreme weather and they made the journey to go see the Messiah. So that's how God 
was able to teach and prepare the wise men for what's going to happen. So that's where we're going to pick up here in our Bible. So I want you to follow along in your Bible. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. It took them many months to make that journey. They show up and they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising, and we have come to worship him. They show up in Jerusalem. They go to, obviously, to where the star is over, where King Herod is located. Now, King Herod is a very jealous man. King Herod was placed there under the authority of Rome, and his goal was to maintain order in Israel. Remember, during the time of Jesus, Israel, the nation of Israel, was under Roman occupation. And all they wanted the people to do is pay taxes and not kill each other, not have any riots or revolts. Just do whatever you want to do. Just keep the people happy and just keep the money flowing in. That's pretty much the world today. Nothing's changed. I mean, just, just keep the cash register running. Well, that's what King Herod's job was. So all of a sudden, news has appeared in his city that these wise men from a foreign country have showed up because they've heard about a king and its star. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. And the reason why Jerusalem was disturbed is because King Herod was ruthless. The way you do business in Bible times is you kill people you weren't happy with. And that solved the problem. That solves problems for back, back then. But the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Herod was fully aware that there were religious leaders all around him. He had these Jewish leaders there, and he summoned them and says, Hey, Jewish leaders, scribes, Pharisees, tell me, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? These wise men have showed up out of nowhere, and they're bringing these gifts, and they're talking about this Messiah. Well, what's going on? What's amazing about this is the religious leaders, they knew their Bible. They knew exactly where the Messiah was going to be born. But no one made the journey six or seven miles down the road to Bethlehem. That's how far Bethlehem was from Jerusalem to actually see, could the Messiah have been born? Look what happens here. Verse 5, they're going to quote a Bible verse. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That is a quote from Micah 5.2. These people knew exactly what the Bible said, but they weren't living by it. There's a lot of folks like that today. They know what Scripture says. They know what Christmas is about. They know where Jesus was going to be born. They know the purpose of Jesus. He's Emmanuel, which means God with us. But that is not still impacting their life. Just because you've heard about Jesus, you know the Christmas story, doesn't mean your life has been changed by it. The difference is, these wise men, they were actually changed by the Christmas story. They actually took action when they saw the star. They said, this is what we've learned from Daniel. This is what's been passed down. They've been waiting for the Messiah. Let's go worship him. Let's go bring him the gifts. These wise, the, the wise men and the scribes and the religious leaders at Jesus' time with Herod, they quote the Bible verse. They know exactly where it's at, but they do nothing. They don't take action. 
They don't even respond. They just answer the question. Verse 7, Then King Herod secretly summoned the wise men. Whenever, typically, whenever you do something in secret, you're hiding and concealing sin. And asked them the exact time the star appeared. Now, why would he want to know that? Because he is up to a plan. We're going to see what that plan is. He needs to know. When did that star show up? He sent them to Bethlehem and said, You go and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. King Herod does not want to worship baby Jesus. He has no desire for that. That's not what his plans are. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was. The star that they had seen in its rising, it led them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. Understand, this Christmas star originally appeared over Jerusalem. That would tell exactly the wise men that the stars over Jerusalem, they're looking for a Jewish Messiah. Jerusalem's the capital of Israel. We need to travel to Jerusalem. That's where Herod's at. You go and talk to Herod. These men go outside after meeting with Herod, and they're watching the star move down the street. I mean, the star is, God is literally taking the star and guiding the wise men just right over the home. I mean, could you imagine following a star to someone's house? When you, someone gives you an address, do you say, just follow the star? Just follow the stars wherever they lead you. That's just not how we give addresses. GPS doesn't direct us by the stars. I mean, it's just not, but the Lord is guiding these men exactly to where they need to go. Because again, these folks, these wise men, they've never been to Jerusalem. They've never been to Bethlehem. They're not even Jewish. These are Gentile people. These are pagan people who don't even worship. They came because they're going to honor the request of what they had learned over the years from Daniel's teaching of of his wisdom that he had taught them about the coming Jewish Messiah. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, Jesus, at this point, we're no longer at the manger scene. Jesus is probably maybe a one-year-old. He would be in my Sunday school. He'd be class, he'd be uh, child number 13 if he came to Sunday school today. And Jesus always attended Sunday school. Entering the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, And look what they did. There he is. This is the child. They had just traveled through extreme weather, through heat, through a desert, riding a camel, carrying your donkey. And they fell to their knees and worshipped him. The first people we ever see of Gentiles in our Bible, people who are not Jews, worshipping Jesus, were the wise men. They fall on their knees and worship him the shepherds which i'm preaching on uh, christmas eve service they were jews these wise men they did not follow the covenant of abraham and the hebrew covenant these were pagan people but they recognized we need to worship the king this is this is setting a precedent for what's going to happen even for us today our wonderful jewish friends today have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Of in the land of Israel, roughly there's only 30,000 what we call Messianic Jews. And that's out of about uh, 2 or 3 million people there, of Jewish people. So it's a very small number of Jews who actually believe Jesus is the Messiah. 
So most Jews today have rejected the Christ. So the gospel, what the whole book of Acts is about, is how the gospel is said because they've rejected, the Jews have rejected the gospel, it has then spread to the Gentiles. Because Jesus is going to be worshipped. If the Jews aren't going to worship him, then the Gentiles. And I would guess probably most of us here today are Gentiles. We are in line of worshiping just like the wise men were. These people were outside the covenant promise and they're worshiping little baby Jesus at this point, following this Christmas star. And it says, after they worshiped him, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A lot of times we think of the wise men as three because of these three gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. But the Bible doesn't tell us how many wise men were there. There could have been five or seven. We don't know. So there was just a group of men that came and, they, uh, and probably they had their families with them too. It wasn't just three men by themselves running through the, the Saudi Arabian desert to see where they're going to end up at. So they go over there, they're bringing their gifts, and it says, and being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. Do you know, a lot of times we always think that the Lord is the one speaking to saved people. But here, these people are, are, are pagans who do not worship the Lord. First time they've worshipped the Lord is just right then when they bowed down and worshipped baby Jesus there at this house because they followed the Christmas star. But God is even speaking to people outside of His covenant promise, revealing Himself, revealing His plan and purpose through a dream. God can use unlikely, uh, un, uh, unexpecting people to speak to you. Because He's actually using these wise men who to provide for and to now soon redirect Mary and Joseph to save baby Jesus' life. They received this dream. Whatever you do, it says here, being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod because they thought they had to go back to Herod to pay their respects because they're under his jurisdiction. But God says you don't need to go back to Herod because he doesn't want to worship baby Jesus. He has some plans for baby Jesus, but it's not to worship him. They returned to their own country by another route. That meant instead of going maybe through the river route, they went through the desert route. So whatever route they came, they took the scenic route going home following the Lord's command. That's what they were doing. And what's important about this is God, we see how He is protecting this young family. You know, the devil, in the book of Revelation, there's actually a story there about how this woman gives birth. I believe it's Revelation chapter 11. This woman gives birth. And then all of a sudden, this dragon is awaiting to devour the woman, the child, the child that she's about to give birth to. But all of a sudden, right before the dragon was able to devour this child, God snatched him away. And go, that's a really strange story. Pastor, why are you talking about dragons and a woman giving birth and God snatching away the baby? That story is the Christmas story retold in the book of Revelation. What's happening right here? Herod doesn't realize it, but the, he's being used by the devil to kill this baby Jesus. S Satan is fully aware that this child is the Messiah. He knows this child has been born. He's aware of what's going on. He's aware of the angels that all were coming and worshiping uh, the baby, uh, uh, the angelic uh, beings that were there. That's next Sunday's sermon. So he's thinking, I'm going to use Herod, who's going to kill this child. So God 
redirects, is going to redirect the wise men so they don't go back to report to Herod. And then look what else the Lord did. Because not only does he have to, Mary and Joseph are now in danger. They don't realize it. They just thought, wow, we cashed in. We just received an inheritance. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're just this poor little family. What are we going to do with all this? You know, the, one, of the, one of the great things about money, I've heard this saying, when you see it, you see it fly away. And their money is about to fly away right here because they just received this money, but now they've got to use it. God gives us money and resources for a purpose. Mary and Joseph would not have the resources to go to Egypt in the middle of the night. This was a poor, young family. They had very little. We know they, Mary and Joseph were poor because when they first went to the temple to make their sacrifice with the Lord, there were two types of offerings you could make. You could bring the lamb, or if you, if you didn't have the money to purchase the lamb, you would bring some turtle doves, and they were cheap. They brought the turtle dove offering. That's why we sing about turtle doves. That was the offering Mary and Joseph brought when they presented baby Jesus in the temple the first time he went there because they, they didn't have the funding for the, the full animal. So what happens here, look how God is going to move. He's going to move Mary and Joseph using the gifts they just received. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, the head of the household there, he has another dream. And it's God inside the dream. And he says, get up, take up the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. Have you ever woke up? Do you ever wake up at 3 and 4 in the morning? I mean, it's the middle of the night, 2.30, 3.30, and you're, you are wide awake, just wide awake. And you're just like, what am I doing? I can't fall asleep. I mean, you could get up and start cleaning the house. You could get up and start, I mean, anything you want to do, because you're, you're not sleeping is what you're doing. Joseph, he has a dream. God wakes him up in his dream. And he says, Joseph, it's time to go. I need you to pack your bags and you're now going to actually travel out of the country. You've never left Israel in your life, but you're not just leaving the continent of Asia, which is where Israel's at. You're now going to another continent of Africa. You're going to go to Egypt. Now, men, most of you, if tonight, if you fell asleep and you woke up tomorrow morning at 3 a.m., if you woke your wife up and says, honey, it's time to go, Let's pack our bags. We're going to run over to Bluegrass Airport and hop on an airplane and fly to Atlanta because that's the only place this little airport flies. So you fly to land, then we'll hop on an international flight and we're going to go to Africa. Would your wives hop in the car at 3.30 a.m. And, and go? Probably not. I know Sherry would not do that. She said, you have a great trip. I'm going back to bed. That would be the answer I'll get. Probably some of you would be the same way. That would be it. But Mary and Joseph, Joseph is being led by the Lord. Now we have to remember too, Mary is fully aware she had a baby without ever having sexual relations. So she's aware she's in a unique circumstance in life. This isn't just any baby. So if God is speaking to her husband, hey, it's time to go to Egypt because someone wants to kill the baby, King Herod, they, they, because they've had other miraculous events come and they just received a bag of gold from, from Persia and they, that was their funding for their trip, they're now prepared to take a trip. So what happens here, it says, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother, during the night, and escaped to Egypt. The middle of the night, Mary, 
This is all who went to Egypt. Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, and their little pet donkey. They're just headed down the road 150, 200 miles to Egypt, getting out of Israel, getting out of the jurisdiction of King Herod. How did they afford it? They were taking their gold, their, their inheritance they just received from the wise men. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken, out, uh, spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. That's Hosea chapter 11. Bible teaches us here that in the Old Testament that God, God knew that his son was going to have to be called out of Egypt. Many of the great religious leaders, Old Testament heroes, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all of these men and their families were stuck in Egypt at some point, and God called them out of there. Remember, Egypt is that place you don't want to live, but sometimes in your life, you have to go to Egypt. It's just, you're there for protection, you're there for education, you're there for, in Joseph's case, they were there to, to, to avoid the famine. It's where you go and get a job. Many of you here are thinking, I have no desire to live in Lexington. I'm a country boy from eastern Kentucky or southern Kentucky, and what am I doing in this big city? God has you here for a purpose. That's kind of what's happened here, Mary and Joseph. These are country folks, and now they're going to Egypt, a foreign land. There's times in our life that we just have to go to Egypt. You don't stay in Egypt. All those men I just named, Abraham, Joseph, Jacob, and Moses, none of those guys were buried in Egypt. They, they had to be there a little while. They quickly got out as soon as they were allowed to. Moses went out through the Red Sea, but he got out of there eventually. Uh, but Joseph died there, but his bones were carried back to, back to Israel to be buried. And we go through our times where God positions us in places that uh, is, we don't understand fully, but it's for our best good. And for Jesus' best good in his life at this time, he needed to be outside the jurisdiction of Herod. And this also fulfilled Scripture. Notice what the wise men did. All it's doing is fulfilling Scripture. The wise men here, they show up, they are told the baby's born in Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem. Lo and behold, there's the baby. They, wise men, because they told King Herod what they were doing, King Herod's now going to try to kill all the children in Bethlehem. So Mary and Joseph, remember, there's an Old Testament prophecy saying, Jesus got to come out of Egypt. Well, how's Jesus going to end up in Egypt? Well, Mary and Joseph, they go to Egypt, and God calls them. He's going to call them out of Egypt. Now we're going to see another prophecy fulfilled. One of the powerful things about Jesus' birth is every area of it fulfills uh, Scripture. It fulfills Old Testament prophecy. After they were gone, or after, after, the, after he, they went down there, they're in Egypt now. Then Herod, verse 16, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, that's not good for Herod because he, he's a rough man. This is Herod the Great. He killed a lot of people. He ruled with an iron fist. He flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. So every single two-year-old boy and under were killed in Bethlehem. Bible scholars think that might have been about a dozen or so. Bethlehem wasn't a big city. But if there was uh, about 12 boys that were two and under, they just lost their life. 
And I want to tell you, they did that because what the devil does, remember the devil tells us, told us, he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what he does in our life. And even by Jesus' presence of being born in Bethlehem, it cost the life of all those other baby boys around there. That's also why Herod wanted to know how long had the star been? Because they said, oh, it was six or seven months ago. Herod did the math. Go, oh, two years old. Let's slaughter all those children. Herod's goal wasn't to worship. Herod's goal was to kill. Understand, that's what our life is like. Some of us, we have a desire to please and worship and honor the Lord, yet a lost person doesn't realize that this actually, when you, when you don't worship the Lord, you are actually under the authority and worship the devil. Because you're lost. You're spiritually dead. You're under His dominion. And we have a total contrast here of what we see. The Herod wants to kill. The wise men have come to worship. And as he kills all these baby boys, in keeping with the time they had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. Here's another prophecy. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 15, it tells us that Bethlehem, where Jesus is born, is going to have a great loss. There's going to be, the the women are going to be weeping for their children because so many young baby boys are about to die. A voice is heard in Ramah. That's the area of Bethlehem. Weeping and great mourning. Rachel. Rachel is another word for Bethlehem. Rachel was died and was buried in in Bethlehem. Weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they are no more. Those baby boys died. The Bible teaches us when babies do die before they reach the age of accountability, they are in heaven. So these babies that died because they are associated with the same city that Jesus was born in, and Jesus was there, they're in heaven today. After Herod died, last few verses here, after Herod died, so at this point, Mary and Joseph, watch how God is going to now, every, every area, he's fulfilling Scripture. See how the wise men were used to fulfill Scripture. Look at this. And Micah, used to fulfill Scripture here in Hosea, and now used to fulfill Scripture in Jeremiah. Now we're about to see more Scripture fulfilled about him being called a Nazarene. It says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up! Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. So Herod finally died, and there in Israel, Joseph's a carpenter, because he who had intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, so that would have been his son. That was, we had Herod the Great, now we have Herod Archelaus. He was afraid to go there, so he didn't know what to do. Joseph ends up, okay, I'm back at Bethlehem. I don't really know what's going on. don't know if it's best to be settled down because there's no other children here are this age. You know why? Because they all were killed. So however many years, there's a missing age gap of those baby boys in Bethlehem. So that would have been suspicious for Jesus. And why is Jesus here and none of these other baby boys around here? So look what God does. This is how God guides us over and over and over again. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. That's in northern Israel. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth, a dinky little northern Israel town. And here's why he went to Nazareth. To fulfill what was spoken by the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. 
Another scripture fulfilled. God brought them back to Nazareth. That's originally where Mary and Joseph were when the angel first appeared to them that they were going to have a baby. They were in Nazareth. They made a big circle of life and ended right back of the very place. But when they came back to Nazareth, they had been on an international trip to uh, Egypt. They came back married because they got married in Bethlehem and they came back with baby Jesus. You see, and they received a credible visit from wise men receiving gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Do you see the story of God, how he orchestrated every little detail of the Christmas story? Every detail fulfills Old Testament scripture. It saves Jesus' life. It's just moving the wise men from here to there. It's moving the wise men by a Christmas star. That is the leadership of the Lord in our life during Christmas. Christmas is not a time of an accident. It's a time of the Lord leading us. Four final things what we get from this passage. Number one, what happened here with the wise men? It reconfirmed to Joseph and Mary that, that their son was extremely special. Every child is special, but baby Jesus was extremely special. Remember, Baby Jesus was born, and his mother never had sexual relations. Only child in the history of mankind that's ever happened to. So all, and they get this visit because a star is moving over their house. That's just something we don't experience every day. Knowing that the wise men, these were Gentiles. They are setting an event that soon Gentiles today, including in the sanctuary, will be the main worshipers of Jesus it's all started, what we're doing here as Gentiles, it started with the wise men. We've come this morning worshiping Jesus. That was set, first of all, by these wise men who came from the east. Knowing that, God used these wise men to move Jesus to Egypt and then to Nazareth. God used these wise men because you never would have believed how is Jesus going to get in Egypt. Via the gifts and the financial uh, uh, gold, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those were gifts of a king that would supply their needs so they could make a midnight escape. God was using them to, to meet their needs. And God puts people all in our life all the time to help us out. That's what we do. There's unlikely people, unlikely circumstances that meet needs. And not only that, all the, I, we looked at four different scriptures here. All of this fulfills scripture. Jesus was called out of Egypt and then called to go to Nazareth. God was leading this through his father, Joseph, in his dreams. Joseph probably didn't get a lot of good night's sleeps. He didn't go to bed at 10 o'clock and wake up at 7 a.m. God kept waking him up in the middle of the night with these dreams all the time. And he had stuff he had to do. And when God wakes us up, part of being a wise man and following the leadership of the Lord, when you wake up at three in the morning and you're thinking, God, what do I do? You might not need to go to the airport and hop on a flight to Africa. You might just need to roll out of your bed and fall on your knees and say, Lord, I'm just going to start praying for my family. I'm going to pray for my church. I'm going to pray for people to get saved. I'm going to pray for my pastor. I'm going to pray for my grandkids. There's any and everything to pray for in the middle of the night. And you're wide awake, you're not sleeping. Might as well use that time with the Lord. God uses, and what's amazing about all this, the Lord speaks to people at night. Have you noticed this in the Bible? It was always at nighttime when God came to everybody. It was during the dreams. You, know, you think, all right, 
I'm going to lay down. I'm going to get a great, nice rest. And I just, it's all, it's, I'm just going to recharge. And God said, all right, now as I'm about to start speaking to you, now you're about to have encounters with me. We don't waste our nights. We give our nights to the Lord. Joseph, the wise men, Mary, all of these examples were being spoken to at night and God guided them. Beecher, I'm going to ask you in the band to come forward at this time. I know some of you, God has been speaking to you this morning and we want to respond to the Lord. Every time God spoke to the wise men, God spoke to Joseph, they had a dream. They were, uh, they responded. They obeyed. And God's calling you and I to obey. How do we obey this morning? Some of you need to get saved. If you've never trusted Jesus as our Savior, as your Savior, I'll be standing up front. Zach Bowers next to me. You come take my hand. Say, Pastor, I want to pray and get saved. I'll lead you in a prayer to get saved. This is also our time that we come to the altar and pray. And we can also join our church. And you can become a part of church family here at Broadway Baptist Church. This is a wonderful church for you and your family. You want to be a church that teaches the Bible. You want your children to grow up in a good, solid, healthy children's ministry that has, knows the youth ministry, that college ministry, that instructs how to know the Lord. So we're going to stand together. Our band's going to play right now, and we're going to respond to God. Zach, you come stand up here with me. I'll be standing here. You walk this aisle and take my hand.